Though lately missing because he was out on the lake looking for some little fishies. No, I'm Sean McCurry. And, and <laughs> yeah, and as a matter of fact, that was in an area where it was very effervescent. The, uh, there are ground balls there that have uh, carbonated water. How cool is so that? So when you when you drink the well water, you have to wait for the wait for the fizzy bubbles to go away. <laughs> 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 so yes, you could say I'm, I'm effervescent, not necessarily <laughs> in the traditional sense, but yeah, I, I'm effervescent. Let's say middle school kids wouldn't wait for the bubbles to go away because oh, that would have a certain effect on them that they would enjoy. It is kind of fun, you know. They go away really quick. So it's been a couple weeks since we've gotten a show out. Uh, it's been three weeks. Well, you know. Oh, we can count this. No, it's been two weeks because this will be the last one for for it's August. Been a couple weeks. You yeah. know, it's been. I think it's been a couple weeks, but we haven't forgot about everyone. We've still been posting on the Twitter. Yep. So people can follow us there at msmatters. Oh no, I'm sorry, it goes the other way, doesn't it? Yeah. Twitter. dot com slash msmatters. Um, we uh, tend to post a, a link. We don't post tons of things. Um, and never what we're eating for lunch, but some links to some of the news stories and things that happen throughout the week and some thoughts and ideas. So give us a follow there. Um, and you can always contact us. Where can they contact us, uh, Sean? Uh, they should contact us at middleschooleducators at gmail.com. They could post uh, a comment over at middleschoolmatters.com. And uh, we, we're getting some, some in, in that regard, we're getting some, some Russian posters. And uh, they're not translating their work. So uh, Google, Google Translator will translate their stuff for you if you're interested in reading their posts. So Yes. Yeah. yeah and then, of course, we had a few of these spammers out there who I, I have oh. deleted. Oh, okay, because we had 471 in the, in the spam queue when I last looked. Um, I added a few more because they were ugly. Oh, I didn't see. Oh, I'm glad you got those. Yeah, um, you know, I, I thought it might be nice to kind of go through some of the some of the sayings that happen right around school time. Oh, this is a good time of year for that. Yeah. So, son says to his dad, "I can't go to school today." Father says, "Why not?" I don't feel well. Where don't you feel well? In school. I, I know, I know. We need a rim shot. We need a rim shot there. We'll put one in in post. And this one, this is one just for you. Okay. Teacher right. says, you missed school yesterday, didn't you? People says, not very much. <laughs> right, actually, it's the next one that's just for you. I like that one, though. Uh, Father, I hear you skipped school to play football. Son, no, I didn't. I have the fish to prove it. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's from this week. Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, and, of course, the, the kid who calls in and says, my son has a bad cold and won't be able to come to school today. School secretary responds, who is this? The pupil responds, this is my father speaking. <laughs> uh, father, how do, you, how do you like going to school? Son, the going bit is fine, as is the coming home bit, too. I'm not too keen on the in-between time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Teacher says to the class, Class, today we will only be having a half day of school this morning. The class says, Hooray! Yay. Teacher says, We'll have the other half this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, this is one that I don't suggest that any teachers actually say to the children. You may most certainly feel free to think it. Just don't say it out loud. Teacher, why were you late? People says, Sorry, teacher, I overslept. Teacher, you mean you sleep at home, too? <laughs> oh. oh, dear. All right. Hey, you know, if you got any good jokes, if you could drop them to us. Because <laughs> let me tell you, the pickings are getting kind of slim these days. <laughs> in there, too. That's okay. You know what? That, we can make that a contest. We don't have anything to give away, but we can make a contest. <laughs> Which one of the jokes was used before? Well, I've used a couple of those before, I think. But well, that's sh- part of the contest. <laughs> Hopefully, um, <laughs> don't tell anybody. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. So you're keeping up with the Twitterverse because we have a we have a presentation we have to do. Yes, and Twitter's going to be part of the presentation. <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to be a big part of the presentation. <laughs> so um, you keep up with it, uh, and now we, you know, we should have some theme music for from the Twitterverse. Yeah. Yeah, it would require a post. I'm <laughs> Never thinking, mind. I'm thinking John Williams, you know, and and some sort of overlay. Well, we'll work on that, you know, when we get time this school year. To yes. Do yeah, that that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Sharon Elin uh, has this, uh, found a, a neat website called Graffi- Graffiti Creator. Graffiti Creator? Graffiti Creator. Um, creating a graffiti-type font and it takes a little playing according to her it takes a little playing around to figure out how to manipulate the colors and patterns but you can get a really cool effect out of it so you might use that to create some things to grab your kids attention uh garden glenn who is a uh, science teacher uh loves these zitz cartoons and uh, this one illustrates the multitasking of today's teens and i won't ruin the 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 cartoon by telling it to you or talking about you but there's a link here in the show notes so click on that and you'll you'll get a funny um Zimandras uh, has a post uh, linked to linuxforeducation.org, a huge resource for education IT people. Uh, also post a link to digital tech book, textbooks, and are they the money-saving wave of the future, which is something we talked about in, in, a, in a previous show. Yeah, and that's something that's getting a lot of play these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of controversy over whether this will save money or not. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of controversy over equity at this point. It's one of the ways that uh, California thinks they're going to save money in education and, and help save their, their budget. And it's also one of the solutions provided by Arnie Duncan and whoever the Secretary of Health is right now um, as their recommendations for schools for H1N1. If you've got an H1N1 kid, they're recommending this, the, the online textbooks or digital textbooks, as a way to keep the kid up to date and... and Connected. They're also proposing something called uh, proposing video conferencing solutions, which a lot of districts prohibit. Which I thought was interesting that the federal government says you should do this, but a lot of districts say no, you can't. Um, well, but I think that's happening more and more because they're now having the federal government is starting this race for the top, mm-hmm. which has got some real controversy in it. Not surprising, um, and isn't always grounded in valid research or practicality but um 
is something that's pulling through. And and just I know one of the real criticisms for the race for the top is that there's um, nearly no or no mention of professional development. Really? Yep. Hmm. So. That's interesting. Um, Teacher Cookie seventy two uh, found a great geography game maker for all you social studies teachers out there, and a lot of middle schools either have one or two years of geography uh, you know, as part of their curriculum. So it's a great way to to create a game type of uh, way to review or teach uh, your geography. And um, oh, Dan Pink has a uh, TED video on the surprising science of motivation. What motivates people to to do things, and, and it, if you if you provide incentive versus other types of motivation, which group will do better? Uh, under which circumstances do they do better? And uh, he's talking about twenty or thirty years worth of research on this on this topic, and and I won't spoil the surprise there either. But um, and to be honest, I've, I've gotten through three quarters of it myself. But it's very interesting. I, I want to finish up the the rest of it here. Well. Troy talks about the rest okay, of the podcast. I'll be back in a few minutes. <laughs> um, okay, also up this week, we have a few web spotlights. A couple things I came across that I thought were of interest and could be useful. Uh, the first one is read the words. Have you seen this one before, Sean? Um, I'm not sure. Is it, a, is it a Wordle type of website read the words um will read any text that you put in it oh, no, so you not. can copy and paste and you mm-hmm. get you get a couple different voices um and it's all free i think there's a there is a paid component to it if you want additional voices um but i did try it out and um it it did it did work pretty nicely and I think this is one of those things that could work really well for, you know, kids that need some accommodations, maybe some ELL students, um, maybe some other, um, maybe some of the special ed situations. If it has visual acuities and things like that, uh, it's not it's not something you have to install. It is something you need to you, that you can sign up for, but it, the sign up is free, um, and. Um, let's see if I can, but it, it actually worked very nicely. Um, and it was, again, something free. And I thought that, that, um, teachers might be able to use in working with certain kids and having kids, um, use it as well. I, uh, I clicked it just to, to mess around here and I noticed that they give away a free t-shirt with, with registration. Says I hear voices. Yes, no, I, I'm kidding. They don't. They, I'm just. I'm just kidding. That's not. They don't give it away. I'm giving Troy a hard time. And How about uh, the, the the voices? The voices? The voice? I think you can only pick one voice. Oh, that's oh, no, two voices. The so two voices can't... and the two voices are pretty good. They're not. They're not extremely ro- robotic. You can get Lauren or Michael for free. And the other one is you have to access, you have to log in to access the other ones. So you can actually use this without signing up because um, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> uh, so, so Lauren, Lauren from Microsoft asked if I found another job, is what you're saying. <laughs> I don't know about that, but 
Um, and again, it's not perfect. It is a little bit mechanical, but um, but it is it is very helpful, you know. And it's just another resource for teachers to throw into their uh, their bag of tricks there. So oh, check yeah. that out. That is www.readthewords. It's plural. dot com. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a link to that, obviously. Another thing that I thought was interesting uh, this week, I'm not sure it was this week, was from Technology and Learning posted a copyright and fair use guideline for teachers. It's a nice little chart that goes over what it is that you can use and what it is that you can't use and under what conditions. And it's just done as little as bullet points. It's, uh, I think it's a two-pager. Yeah, it's a two-pager that covers... Uh, Video, music, computer software, internet, television, printed material, short printed material archives, illustrations and, and photographs, and video. And they go into the specifics and what you can do and the, the fine print. And it's just, again, it's a nice little two-pager, um, but I think it's very handy for teachers to make sure that they're staying on the right side of the law. Over the law. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, we have the um, the Idea Finder. I don't know if you've seen this before or not. I, I don't think I've seen this one. No. This is the Great Idea Finder, um, and I think this could be pretty happy, pretty pretty helpful in a whole variety of places. They have um, five different sections in the history. Well, they have history. Um, they have showcase, they have features, um, resources, and it's all about innovation, basically. So it's, uh, you know, kind of a nice thing to see. Um, and it was created by the Vaunt Design Group, an internet, in an internet consulting company. Um, their only mission is to provide inspiration to the, quote, inventor in all of us. So they have some some things that I think you could really use, especially if you go to the history section, where they have invention, invention facts and myths, um, and they've selected some of the most interesting stories. And um, you know they have quizzes there, um, and they have an uh, another section is, is an inventor biography. So you can um, just click on uh, a, a letter, and for example, if you pick on E, uh, you get George Eastman, um, who invented the role of film camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, Presper Eckert. You know who that is? Presper? Would that be um, the Eckert drugstores? Very close. Or... It would be the who invented the um, ENIAC computer, the ENIAC. <laughs> yes, ENIAC, yes. Uh, uh, you get Thomas Alva Edison, Albert Einstein, Carl Elsner. He's the one who invented Eckerd drugstores. He, he, he invented something very, very handy, the Uh-oh. Swift Army Knife. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, was he actually from Switzerland? I don't know. I didn't click through all the links. 
Um, Joel Engel is also on there. Um, Marks and Engel. <laughs> no, 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 no. Inventor of the mobile phone. Oh. Here's one that um, you should have your hand on. Uh, Douglas Engelbart. Uh, trackball. Computer mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Epperson, who invented the popsicle. And here's one you should get. Okay. Ole Evinrud. Oh, 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 yes. The, the outboard motor. Outboard motor. Excellent. Yeah. So there's, uh, there's, there's nice little links to there. Um, there's also an innovation timeline where you can take a look and pick, like, different centuries and see what it was that um, some of the things that were invented, and they give you the time. So you could do this even as an advisory activity with the kids. Which do you think came first kind of thing? Or what do you know about? Or <laughs> When was toilet paper invented? <laughs> 1877. Really? <laughs> By Seth Wheeler. Hmm. Fascinating facts about the invention of toilet paper. <laughs> Patented rolled and perforated wrapping paper in 1871. <laughs> so wrapping paper came first. <laughs> Some of these later, he thought, "What else could we do with this?" <laughs> I want to know when the first time it was used on someone's house. Well, um, in 1391, toilet paper was first produced in China for the emperor's use. Each seat was two feet by three feet. Wow. <laughs> in 1857, Joseph Gaiety sells the first factory-made toilet paper. These were loose, flat sheets of paper. 1871, Zeth Wheeler patents rolled and perforated wrapping paper. Um, 1872, the opened the Kimberly Clark Company. Um, 1877 is was when the perforated toilet paper, the standard, on a roll. So you get all kinds of little facts about things, and that could lead to some really good discussions in in advisory as well. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, candy bar was designed was the was uh, 1847. So. Um, and again, in the innovation timeline, you have ancient B.C., early A.D., 15th century, and the 1400s, 16th century, 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th, 21st century. So, um, yeah, kind of cool. Um, invention categories. So, if you wanted to look through agricultural history or business history, energy history, you know, with a big push on en- energy right now, and uh, I could see this being useful in um, some science classes, um, in things that were things in people that were learned. And there's also um, links to more uh, more things. A hundred inventions that shaped world history, the forces of matter. Uh, so links to some books. So if if you were looking to for some books, it's a quick way to do some research as well. So, 
And I'm sure it's how they actually make some money out of this is if you click through the link and buy the book from Amazon, you're supporting them as well. That's true. That's true. I'm a good way to do it. So, so yeah, so uh, the, the Great Idea Finder, um, I think it's kind of a neat, a, neat little, uh, a neat little site. It's very visual, very graphic. Um, innovation Games and Trivia. Um, Oh, we could use this one for a square. Um, how many inventions are the result of an accident? How many of great ideas were not even recognized by their inventor? You'll be amazed at some of the answers when you take the intervention, the invention trivia quiz. Ready? Trishan loves to take quizzes online that, on, yes. on the air that he has no clue about. Yes, here we go. For thousands of years, doctors told patients suffering from pain to chew on the bark of a willow tree. Even as far back as 400 B.C., Hippocrates recommended a tea made from yellow leaves. It wasn't until the 1800s that scientists discovered what was in the willow tree that relieved pain and reduced fever. What was the substance called? Uh, aspirin. And, and here's the great thing is they just show you a little button with the answer. So you could actually put this in front of the whole class, and wow. you could have the class talk, and then you click on the answer button, mm -hmm. and it tells you, you are correct. Aspirin. Felix Hoffman, a German chemist, produced a stable form of acetosilic acid, more commonly known as aspirin, in 1897. Hoffman was searching for something to relieve his father's arthritis. He studied French chemists. No, great, named Charles Gerdahl <laughs> experiment and, quote, rediscovered acetylic acid or aspirin as we know it. It is patent number 644,077 in the U.S., issued February 27, 1900. Oh, cool. So, and then you can click the back button and you can do the, the next... Um, um, the next question. It may be hard to believe, but what home video game instructions began with the phrase, quote, avoid missing ball for high score? Pong. You're right. You're two for two. <laughs> okay, so we are going to leave you at 100%. We're going to give you an A. <laughs> and we're going to tell everybody else that they can move on. And there are ten questions on here that... Um, uh, people can try out and, uh, you know, use it as, a, um, as either an advisory activity and have the kids all give the answers, talk about the answers, why they think it was. Um, so um, you can check that out. And uh, I'm taking the rest of the test now. <laughs> I got the next one right. So one more. Because I, I think you'll get this one, too. It started in the U.S. and has conquered the world. In some parts of the world, it sells for three times the price of liquor. It was originally sold as a brain tonic, but was poorly received. What is the name of this drink product? Uh, my initial guess would be Coca-Cola. And that would be a good one to stay with, because that would be correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's at theideafinder.com. And um, and if you just go into the history section, uh, at the top, 
and innovation games and uh, trivia. You can check that out. Okay. What else do we got? Um, is it me again? It's me again. It's me again. Okay. There is a uh, a short little article in the National Journal Expert blog, uh, National Journal Education Expert Blogs. Um, it's the National Journal, and it's it, it's a simple question: Should students be paid to learn? And this is a very, very short uh, article with three responses, with uh, three paragraphs from Eliza Krigman of the NationalJournal.com. And uh, should K-12 students be paid to learn? At least four cities, New York, Washington, Chicago, and Baltimore, have experimented with pay-for-performance pilot program in, the recent, in recent years. Seventh graders earn up to $500.00. Fourth graders up to 250 based on good performance on 10 assessments. Um, analysis by New York Post found roughly two-thirds of the 59 high-poverty schools participating in the program improved their scores since last year's um, state test by margins above the city average. There are 18 responses to it. And the responses are very well thought out. I would, uh, I would, I would highly recommend that, that people go and check this out. This is a, a, a good um, discussion um, on on this, and you're getting responses from uh, George Boggs, who's the president and CEO of American Association of Community Colleges, um, Monty Neal, who's the deputy director of Fair Test. Um, and I think people should check it out. Uh, I think it's good. I wonder um, what they do with the money, or if it goes into a uh, like an account which they can use on only use in other future educational opportunities, yeah. or if they actually get the money. Because what what, what uh, the next question would be: What do they do with it? Or I wonder who actually gets it when they. You know? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, with the budgetary situation the way that it is, there's a lot of people that qualified for money because we had something similar. I mean, we had the MEEP test where if you did well in the MEEP test, you could get some money for college. And in middle school, kids could earn that money, could earn that money, well, could have that money placed in an account that they could then use in college. And right now, uh, some of them are waiting, <laughs> <laughs> are waiting for that. So um, that would be interesting, and that would be so far. Um, that would be so far delayed that I, I don't see how that would be. I, I know the, the kids didn't they didn't care about it because they were like they had no concept to them for them. Mm-hmm. Something about you know, and it looks like they get the actual cash. Because when you click the link, um, they show a girl, a seventh grader who raked in $180, and they show her with cash money in her hand. When she gets home, do the parents take it, I wonder? You know, because this is, by and large, this is being done in in high-poverty areas. Correct. 
where which is you know obviously money is a huge motivator and it, it, it actually could act like a multiplier for motivation um, but it makes me wonder that when they get home well if you read the Ruby Payne work and and whether you agree with Ruby Payne or not and there's a lot of criticism um, and there's a it, it's whether you look at it from a deficit model or not but one of the things that that she points out is that in poverty, money is shared, and it's shared because it's something that is temporary. So when you have money, you spend it with everybody, and you spend it quickly because you're expected to share it with everybody because, you know, they're going to be coming asking you for it. Right. So it does become a good question as to, you know, what do the kids do with it? What do the families do with it? Um, coming at it from a middle point, a middle class perspective, you know, we know what we would think they should do with it. But, um, yeah, depending on your SES, you have different relationship with money. I mean, if you have a lot, a lot of money, you have a different relationship with money than if you're in the middle class. So... Uh, it's it's interesting, but here they they apparently they actually get the cash. Hmm. So uh, you can you can check that out, and if you have a feeling about that one way or another, head on over to the website and post a comment. Okay, um, our our neighbors to the south. Mm-hmm. Um, well, considering where we're sitting, okay, uh, within the United States. I'm taking a broad There's no trivial pursuit question. What's the pursuit. first country south of Detroit? You right. run into Right. Or is Canada south of, De- you know, is Canada, uh, yeah, the whole thing. Okay. So, uh, but Columbus, Ohio, this comes from Columbus, Ohio. And this was the Centerburg School District. Ooh. Yeah. And they canceled graduation. <gasps> they canceled graduation because uh, more than half of the students, the seniors, cheated. Mm. Cheated on uh, world, world studies. Uh, it, 30 of the 57 seniors, <laughs> obviously not a large district, <laughs> um, who took the world's, world's studies, used stolen tests and everything from vocabulary to Aztec Indian history to Ooh. cheat. Many of the rest of the 97 seniors um, knew about it, as well as some students in the lower grades. Cheating scream in also included science tests taken by juniors and seniors. And here's the fun part. No, not the fun part. Um, school officials tasted, traced the cheating to a tech-savvy student who figured out a school computer pass, password. You know how he figured out the school computer password? It was the teacher's birthday. It was the, their favorite college football team. You're you're close. The 17-year-old boy got access to the computer when he figured out that some teachers hadn't changed a generic password 
Okay. Yep. When they received classroom computers two years ago. <laughs> wow. So, um, you know, I <laughs> <laughs> you know what the password was. It's their first name, or sorry, uh-uh. last name with their first initial, either front or end. Admin. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yep. He used the stealer password to steal tests. He distributed them to other students at least nine times. Several other teachers also hadn't changed their passwords. <laughs> A practice that will end under <laughs> new rules that will require all teachers to create individualized passwords. <laughs> <laughs> you have to love that. Uh, scheme unrailed two days before graduation when administrators discovered a congratulatory note to the perpetrator, perpetrator on a school computer. Well, I, thought, I thought you were going to say Facebook. Imagine if they publicly, you know, woohoo, we made it. Thanks to so and so. Yep. Oops. So um, the ceremony was canceled, but all students who cheated still received their diplomas because their grades were high enough without the world studies class. They didn't need the credit. Right. The student who stole the test was prosecuted as a minor for unauthorized use of computer property, fined $272, sentenced to 24 hours of community service, ordered to write a letter of apology to the school board, and retake world studies. You've got to go back for one class. <laughs> Centerburg High is about 400 students. is one of the state's top schools with an excellent academic rating. Last year, the school had a 99% graduation rate compared with a statewide rate of 87%. Hmm. So, and, and I think one of the things that they're, they're also looking at is, well, they've also point out that the school will emphasize ethics to all students um, this year, and that includes updating the student handbook. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the superintendent acknowledged that ethics message might not be enough to stop some students from cheating and others from turning a blind eye. And I like this really quote. I like this this quote a lot. All society is becoming more accepting of of a degree of dishonesty, dishonesty, she said. Hmm. And I think that's interesting, and I think that's a that's a good question. Are we as a society becoming more accepting of a degree of dishonesty, uh, dishonesty, or has that degree of dishonesty always been there, or is it just that we're focusing on it, or um, whatever, you know? Well, you know, I remember there was a survey um, that pops up every now and then, and um, it's an increasing amount of students that believe it. It's okay to cheat on a test or on a paper or on on something. It's 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 becoming a um, cultural norm, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So uh, I so I think it's interesting that they actually canceled graduation. Um, you know, that's a pretty big deal. The whole ceremony and walking across the stage and all of that, um, and they canceled it and stuck to their guns. Uh, so, 
Yeah, good for them. Uh, here's here's one place where I mean they've, they've got the survey, but it, um, it, it, uh, ABC News uh, survey of thirty thousand students, hundred schools across the country, thir- uh, found that thirty percent of them have stolen something in the past year from a store, mm-hmm. and sixty four percent of them said they had cheated on a test, and some of those admitted to cheating multiple numbers of times. So. Oh, and uh, one-third of the students said they'd used the Internet to plagiarize an assignment. And I'm quoting here, despite their responses, 93% of students said that they were satisfied with their own personal ethics and character, unquote. And, and I think sounds like an advisory thing. I was going to say, that would be a good advisory discussion, and I think it's a discussion that we need to have with kids. We need to have it with each other, but I also think we need to have it with kids. Is it okay to cheat? Is it okay to steal? You know, what if you're not going to get caught? You know, you, at least you think you're not going to get caught right now. Um, I, I think that's an important discussion to have with kids, especially in middle school, because that's where they're getting that formed. So uh, we'll put a link to that survey in the show notes. Yeah, I just uh, just added Good. it just now. Good, because I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'll be there in a minute. Okay. Um, okay, uh, anything, else? <laughs> anything else? Anything um, else? Anything else about the, the are, you, are we ready to go on to standardized testing? Oh, let's do standardized testing, because that's coming up for a lot of districts. Georgia's got theirs coming up mm-hmm. probably in the next week or two. Well, this is this was interesting. Wisconsin is doing away with standardized tests. They have a, a 17-year-old state test that was used to comply with a federal No Child Left Behind law. It's going to be replaced by a broader approach to judging how well Wisconsin students are performing. Education leaders are heralding the move as a step toward more accountability. It may also help put Wisconsin in a better position to compete with other states for $4.35 billion in federal education stimulus money under the government's Race to the Top reform program. And essentially what they're doing is they're, the, they're replacing um, the Wisconsin Knowledge and Concepts exams with, um, over the next couple, two to three years, with a system that combines state, district, and classroom assessments. Um, it was recommended by a task force that studied the statewide test, um, and it's going to meet state and federal accountability laws. The new test will likely be computer-based with multiple opportunities to gauge student progress during the year. I think this is one of the trends that we're going to see. I think we're going to start seeing more and more of the tests become computer-based. Now, that means that kids need to have computer access in order to take mm-hmm. them, um, which can be a, an issue where people are. But um, the... the um, um, the teachers will also get immediate feedback instead of taking it in September. Or let's just say, oh, hypothetically, taking it in the beginning of October mm-hmm. and getting the test results back in, oh, February, March, April. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll, they'll get those uh, right away. The teachers get the results back, so it'll be more timely in helping teachers to take corrective actions with the students. 
Um, they're not really developing new test items for the the Wisconsin Knowledge and Content uh, exam, um, which is going to reduce cost for, for that. Um, and I think it's an interesting movement. It's just instead of taking a one-shot test, looking at things over multiple issues. Now, they don't go into a lot of detail with this about what is going to be tested, how it's going to be tested. Still, when you're doing computerized testing, the fear is that you're getting surface level and, you know, you're missing out in other ways. Looking at uh, ways of other ways of assessing what kids know. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's the that's one of the downfalls of uh, of standardized testing. Um, just hopping back to, to something uh, a little earlier, there are districts that are doing computer based uh, assessments like this, not just for districts but for entire ISDs. Like um, there's one, there's a lady in our PLN that that's what she did this summer was going into the ISD and putting these things into the computer so that the kids don't have to be at school even when they take these tests. Right. They can be anywhere and, and take these uh, assessments, um, which I think is, is, is kind of a cool idea because then there's a less pressure. They can take it in a comfortable setting. They can, of course, that also means, may mean that they don't take it seriously, but, I mean, you know, you don't know. You, can't, you can lead the horses to water, but... And then you also have accountability issues. Who's really taking the right. test? Um, mom and dad. How do mom and dad do on that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're yeah. a genius. You got a college level education. <laughs> do that. So, how many questions do you put in for each standard? Mm -hmm. Do you do two and, and call fifty percent passing? Right. Or do you do could you two and call fifty percent failing? Ooh. One one poorly worded question is that going to you know, yeah. Get you how, how many questions do you pull from test banks provided by publishing companies mm -hmm. or by um, testing outfits? Yeah. So, so, but I, but I think it's an interesting movement, and I think we, you know, it goes into some of the things that we've talked about: the movement of textbooks to being to getting online using online materials, whether those are online textbooks or online sites or whatever. And now we're looking at um, score of standardized tests becoming not quite one-shot deals, but over multiple opportunities. And again, all technology-driven, where the the research the, in, the feedback is immediate as well. Mm -hmm. Which of course helps drive some curriculum decisions. So right, that that'll be a big benefit. Um, okay, and we have one more um, that I thought was interesting, and this is one that I would really love to get some comments on. This is um, on the issue of crowdsource grading. Yes, and we, we he, he, in the, in the pre-show, some sometimes we should tape the, the pre-show, or, or you know, run a live uh, a video feed like with uh, BitGravity or something like that, like like Leo Laporte does, because sometimes those conversations we have pre-show are are as interesting or uh, entertaining <laughs> as the ones we have in here. And um, 
crowdsourcing. I had to ask uh, Troy what the, what the the author exactly meant about that because. Right, and and here's what, it, and and everybody, I'm, crowdsourcing is taking something and turning over that to a whole bunch of people, or utilizing the the time, energy, and knowledge of a whole bunch of people, and getting that information back. And so, here's the there's um, there's a professor who says, you know, I was I'm returning to teaching. I've been in administration for several years, and I love everything about teaching except the grading. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to quote here. I can't think of a more meaningless, superficial, cynical way to evaluate learning in a class on new modes of digital thinking, including rethinking evaluation, than by assigning a grade. It turns learning, which should be a deep pleasure, setting up for a lifetime of curiosity, into a crass competition. How do I snag the highest grade for the least amount of work? How do I give the prof what she wants so I can get the aid that I need mm-hmm. for med school? And, uh, you know, it's a, it, the, you know, grades are, are something that uh, is a foundation of what education has been built on. Whether we like it or not, um, it's used. It, you know, at some point, not everybody's going to be a doctor. How do we figure out which one should be a doctor and which one shouldn't be a doctor? Um, and the everybody can try thing isn't going to cut it. We don't have the resources available for everybody to try and then do that. So, um, but but her idea was um, was to she structured a seminar so that two students lead every class. And she's going to have them also read all the class blogs, you know, as they're supposed to as part of the class anyway, and pass mm-hmm. judgment on whether they're satisfactory. Thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> and then and then move on. So essentially it's going to be the, the students who are doing the grading. Um, and this is set up as a, in a, at a college class. Mm-hmm. But I think it portends to potentially to middle school and to high school and to anything else. So um, I, I, I just I, th- I wonder how people feel about having kids doing the evaluation and the thumbs up and thumbs down. And I think we run, run into two issues. We, I think we do this in middle school a little bit anyway when we have the kids reflect or talk it out with each other. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and obviously she's talking about in a college situation where they've got a level of experience where they can say, well, this is good, this is bad. I know what, the, I, know what I like here and what I don't like here. But um, for middle school kids, I mean, their present is their past. I mean, it's, they're building that level of experience right then and there. And, and I'm not sure a kid can look over it. Well, yeah. They don't have enough life experience to say, oh, this is really quality stuff and this is not really quality stuff. By the same token, working with the 6 plus 1 writing traits with some kids, I've, I've been surprised oftentimes when I throw a piece up on the on the overhead and I say, okay, kids, let's evaluate this using the 6-point scale from the 6 plus 1 writing traits. Where should this fall? And they nail it. I mean, they're really good at that. They're a lot better at it than I am. And, you know, and, and it's not that they've had a ton of experience at it either, so... 
I think there could be a serious debate about this. Obviously, they don't have the life experience for a lot of, you know, this is quality stuff, this is not quality stuff. An example happened uh, last week, two weeks ago. Um, I, have a, I have a little teeny cousin who is, he's not teeny anymore, but a uh, younger cousin who is in, in, in the middle grades. And uh, he told someone that they did, they showed a lot of courage doing something. It was an, it was an everyday life uh, type of activity. And uh, we, we kind of looked at each other and we thought, well, that, that exhibits a lot of courage. And it was the way he used the word, and, and it was this life experience he was drawing from. And, and we tracked it up to, well, you know, he doesn't have a whole lot of life experience to draw and say, well, this is what it should look like, or this is what this looks like. This is an everyday activity versus, you know, this is something extraordinary. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then there's those times where they just come right out and surprise you with, with some really good insight, part of that middle school thing. Yeah, I think the and, – and I think the – you know, she has – she's taken uh, – and she actually posted an addition <laughs> to the blog post, which I found hilarious. Um, <laughs> that's how you know you've written a, a good blog post, I think, is when you have to write the addition. And it says, this post has garnered so much attention that I wrote a longer follow-up, which explains the history and theory of evaluation motivating this experiment. Um, so you can, check, you can check that out. But um, it's interesting because, like I said, as we do more real-world applications, it leads to a discussion of how do you grade it, what is grading, um, and how do you come up with with a grade? Because people are still going to want grades at this point. Um, and I think there's other ways of I think there's ways of doing it, but I also think it's absolutely crucial that teachers are very clear with to themselves first of all with what their grade means and how a kid gets there. And if they're not clear with it themselves, then it's going to be muddy for everybody. Um, so once they once they're clear with that, then hopefully they can make it clear to the uh, the students and clear to the parents and everyone. So it becomes something that's not just uh, happenstance, but people really know what's going on. Good enough. Good enough. Good enough. All right. Well, we're getting back into the, the swing of things, so we hope you are as well. Um, it seems as though from our our Google Analytics that lots of people listen at work. Mm-hmm. Um, so hope, work. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we've got things that will that will work. I'm a little concerned about bandwidth again, <laughs> so um, I thought we had that solved, but maybe not. So if we get toward the end of the month and you get a a problem, please check back with us at the beginning of the month, and we'll have to work on how it is we're serving the stuff up. Um, and, uh, you know, we hope that you will go to the website, post some comments. Um, we've got some things going on this year. We hope to, you know, as we start out our third, it's our third year, isn't it? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Starting out our third year, third school year with, uh, with the podcast. Um, we hope that you'll listen and you'll tell your friends and you'll post stuff and send us email. We really appreciate it. Um, and keep the conversation going. Because um, I know there's been a few people who have disagreed with us on a couple of things. 
And we appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's finish up with some events and happenings. Um, you should have gotten your middle school journal in the mail if, this week if you're a member of the National Middle School Association. And there's a flyer on the front for registering for the annual conference, which is coming up November 5th through 7th at uh, the uh, convention center there in Indianapolis, Indiana. Lots of hotel space uh, that is right next door to the uh, convention center, so uh, easy walk to and from. Matter of fact, some of the convention is going to be in one or two of the hotels. Um, I would I would encourage you to come to the Texas room, which is right next door to the Michigan room. We're one room off from 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 being right at home uh, in the Weston on Friday afternoon, um, and we'll be we'll be in there messing around, playing around and. And we got some ideas we're, we're going to talk about, you know, how we're going to dress that room up. Uh, housing information is available for that. Uh, the conference connection is there as well. Um, oh, uh, this week, uh, Bob Spears does an interview on the evolution of advisory on NMSA's podcast, and you can link that. We have a link to mm, their, cool. yeah, their, uh, their home site about that. And advisory is a hot topic, particularly this time of the year. So pop over there and give a listen. The podcasts usually aren't that long, so it's, it's a quick listen something you'll be able to uh, walk away with and pull into your classroom right away. They don't go on and on and on like we do? <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> um, but they usually stick to one topic. Too, so. <laughs> they don't have as many sparkly moments. There you go. Uh, let's see. The Ohio Middle-Level Education just posted their registration form and the presentation form for their conference in February 2010. The Michigan Association of Middle School Educators Annual Conference is coming up March 4th and 5th in 2010. Uh, all they have up right now is an exhibitor form. Uh, so if you know somebody you want who wants to present or, or to present, uh, to be at the at the conference and kind of uh, push their wares, um, that form is up and ready to go. If you click on the other links, they take you back to the 2009 one, which won't get you very far. Uh, let's see. The Wisconsin Association of Middle Level Middle Level Educators is holding their annual conference. October 8th and 9th, and you can get both the registration and the session list right there online. So, yes, March 4th and 5th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'll change the Classroom 2.0's Ning blog because I believe they've, they're not using that topic this week. I'll have to look at that and see. But check back in. Uh, they're always doing stuff, interesting stuff over there. And they do archive the content as well. So right. It, right. it's a really nice way to go in and see if it's something you're interested in. Yes, that's you know. true. Because, yeah. well, you, you know, even then, you know, when you first go there you, or you hear about it, you think, oh, I'm not interested in that. And then later on, somebody says, well, we, need, we want to implement this or we want to do this. And you think, oh, where, where can I get a, some information on that to imp, right. implement it or, or get some, you know, at least get, get a leg up on things. And that's a great place to do it. So, All right. Um, that's it. Second All one, right. just keep checking this, D-Board. All right. Well, when we plan on... Uh Plan on having a, a, I don't know, next week is Labor, Labor Day, so we haven't talked about whether we're having a show next week or not, but within the. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll make that determination, I think, on the, on the fly. Yeah, so within the next couple of weeks, we'll have another show out. We will, we're looking forward to our third year together. That would pretty much make us a toddler now. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, temper tantrum time. <laughs> Temper tantrums. And we get to learn the word no. <laughs> no. So we will see you. Um, well, uh, hopefully we'll hear from you soon. Mm-hmm. And you'll hear from us soon as well. Until next week.
This is middle school new middle school matters middle school edge. I don't even know the outro anymore. First <laughs> on vacation. This is middle school matters for middle school educators who care.